Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to Minisode 86 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, uh, Space Jesus. Space Jesus, indeed. So, if you're listening to the Minisode on Monday, you may have heard that we are now doing an Andy vs. Mitch episode as a monthly occurrence. Yes, we are, we are. It makes things easier for us and it's just something a little bit different for you guys. Yeah, I think so. It just kind of keeps us all on our toes. And uh, on the subject of keeping me on my toes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Space Jesus Christ. Space Jesus Christ, specifically. So, uh, you've chosen 1979's The Visitor. I have, yeah. Julio Paradisi's The Visitor, or as he's credited, Michael J. Paradise. So weird. So weird. <laughs> why is that? Is there a story for why that is? Or I think, I don't know. I don't know if it's like tax things or if it's to do with writer's guilds or something like that. I don't know. It, it's a, it, it always feels like a shady thing when you see somebody doing that. Like Obviously, Joe D'Amato did things like that as well. Like Joe D'Amato wasn't Joe D'Amato's real name. I believe it was Aristide Masakese or something like that was his name. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like anytime anybody does anything under an assumed name, there's a kind of assumed level of shadiness. I mean, it's pretty clearly an Italian production. It's produced mm. by Ovidio Asanitis, who directed Beyond the Door and Madhouse, and okay. produced Who Saw Her Die. I feel like it, giving yourself an American name probably works better to American audiences. That could be true. Yeah, I mean, that probably is true. I'd, I'd say that's probably the biggest part of it, but I'm sure that somewhere in amongst that there's tax break things and Director's Guild stuff as well. Yeah, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me either, but why this specifically? I just think it's quite fun. It's it's a real oddity. There's uh, some pretty... That much we definitely agree on. <laughs> there's some pretty cool stuff going on in here. I actually had a discussion about this film fairly recently with John McPhail uh, when he okay. was over for our mini Fright Fest night. In fact, even more recently than that. And uh, yeah, we were both just like, why do more people not talk about The Visitor? For better or worse, the problem is no one talks about The Visitor. <laughs> well, here we are talking about it now. I mean, it's just a really weird mashup of a whole bunch of other films that were out round about the same kind of time. And I don't know, I just I just have a lot of time for it. Because it's 1979 we were in for this, wasn't it? 79, yeah, that's right. A crazy year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was one year away from birth. Yeah, I was minus seven years old. Excellent. Um, <laughs> Not even a twinkle uh, in your mother's eye. <laughs> your father's eye? His father's eye, I believe, is the expression. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So you have chosen the visitor, which must have seemed like a good idea on paper, but you have now landed yourself with the task of doing a 30 second synopsis of it. Oh, so I have. <laughs> uh, okay, I will do my best. I have assumed the position is master of time. Excellent, thank you. And you have the prerequisite 30 seconds on the clock. I do. Are you ready? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be for this one. Okay, three, two, one, synopsisize. Uh, there's a a desert in space and Space Jesus tells a a fable about good versus evil Uh, a a, a little girl is pretty, I think is she an evil alien? Anyway, she lives on Earth Um, her mum winds up in a wheelchair Uh, Lance Henriksen's a bad guy Uh, uh, there's no real story uh, except they want to get her back yeah, I mean, you've done that with a few seconds to spare and I wouldn't say that it's the most complete synopsis I've ever heard, but also it is an incredibly hard story to synopsisize because it's such a flat structure. <laughs> I mean, one thing I will say, right, and it's probably as much of a strength in terms of this film as it is a detriment to the kind of actors involved, but the cast yeah. in this is amazing. It really, really is. Yeah, I mean, you've got weird cameos in there from Sam Peckinpah. You've got Mel Ferrer's in there. You've got... Uh, Franco Nero. Yeah, Franco. Yeah, absolutely. Franco Nero's in there. You've got Shelley Winters. Yeah, pff, like it's just it's an absolute. And of, of course, John Houston. John Houston himself. Yeah, I mean, it's just an embarrassment of riches in terms of the cast. 
And uh, our first encounter with one of these is uh, Jersey. Well, that's true. But before we go ahead, Mitch, I just want to take a little minute just to say a thanks to Mayor Maynard Jackson and to Governor George Busby of Georgia. Uh, yes, they, um, I, they're, they're thanked in the pre-credits here. <laughs> they are. They are. I've no idea if they're still with us, but thanks anyway. Yeah, whatever it was that they did. <laughs> I imagine that they pretty much said, the city of Georgia... Do what you want. Yeah, I would imagine that it's something like that. But um, uh, yeah, I've never seen that before, I don't think, either. I don't think I've ever seen political figures or uh, local representatives being thanked in a pre-credits before a horror film. Well, not in a pre-credits, but certainly um, Princess Diana and Prince Charles are uh, congratulated in the end credits to... Or the opening credits? They're congratulated anyway in An American Werewolf in London. I did not know that. Having seen that film, I did not notice that either. Yeah. But if there's one thing we're going to learn from this discussion, it's that I am not an observant man. <laughs> also, I've got to say, you've got to love silent credits. <laughs> yeah, I, silent credits are so strange, aren't they? Especially yeah. considering how bombastic this goes on to be from a music and sound design perspective. It's such a weird choice to have uh, silent credits. <laughs> yeah. But you're right, Mitch, in saying that the first kind of person that we do meet is uh, John Houston here as Jersey Colzowitz. Jersey Colzowitz, of course. Yes, who else? It doesn't seem like a fitting name for a man who, when we see him for the first time, he's standing on what appears to be a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Um, there's like a, an absolute howling maelstrom behind them. Yes, I would say that that's uh, I would say that that's a good way of putting it. I had it down as a beardy, snowy encounter between an old man and a hooded ghost girl. I mean, that's putting it clearer than I ever could. But I mean, I think that like I yeah, it's a pretty chaotic scene, really. Yeah, yeah. They, these figures meet across a wasteland, beset by wind and snow. You name it. Uh, the hooded girl is kind of well, the hooded figure that he's kind of facing. You're you're right in saying is revealed to be a frozen girl with glassy, oversized eyes. Uh, yeah, I actually just want to say as well that from a visual perspective, this legitimately pretty creepy. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, and this bit makes the most sense out of anything that comes later. We get fed some uh, some exposition bombs here, but they are very helpful in terms of helping parse everything that comes after that. Oh, by the, the bearded man, uh, the Space Jesus, the weird Chad Kroger guy. Yes, uh, Franco Nero. Yeah, yes. But course. yes, nameless Space Jesus Chad Kroger guy. He appears uh, alongside uh, legions of bald children. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, uh-huh. I'm going to do my best to try and uh, run back through the exposition that he gives us. Well, okay, you can do that as long as you pronounce mutant the way he does. I certainly will, because I did also write that down. <laughs> uh, so, he our story begins with a spaceship travelling with an evil passenger slash hostage on board called Zatine. Correct. Uh, and at this point, I think it's important to remember that he is relaying the story to young children, which with- without context feels like a fairly irresponsible thing to do. <laughs> sure. But uh, Zatine escapes from the ship and uh, hides on Earth. It's at this point, and I believe that this is verbatim, we discover that Zatine is a mutant. Yes, a mutant. A mutant with distractive powers, much to the chagrin of Commander Yavid, who was the captain of the ship he escaped from and then devoted the rest of his life to pursuing him. I believe it's Yaveth. Yaveth, sorry, I do apologise. So, Zatine sounds like a bit of a character. I'm a little bit disappointed that we didn't actually get a swatch of him later on. (laughs) Um, But what can you do? Now, Zatine... Despite being this kind of all-powerful, omniscient, evil overlord, was killed by birds? Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that will come to bear later. Uh, Yeah, of course, of course. But before this happened, he did manage to uh, successfully sleep with a bunch of Earth women and thus put his Zatine seed in them. Oh, yeah! (laughs) My man! Um, (laughs) My man Zatine! And as a result, um, what we have here, apparently, is uh, this generation-spanning battle or conflict between uh, Yavith's descendants trying to kill Zatine's descendants. I've kind of summed that up, Mitch, as a timeless battle through time and space with no end. Uh, yes, that's fair. At this point, um, this kind of very heartwarming campfire scene is interrupted by an old man entering. We will later come to learn who he is. Uh, with tales of Katie. Katie Collins, yeah. She is an eight-year-old girl. She is obviously of some interest to these characters, and she is to be found where all the most important figures can be found, Atlanta. Yes, yes. Now, it is heavily implied at this point, uh, considering everything we've just heard, that Katie is going to be the latest little Zatine. By the way, I just want to say right now, that little girl was fucking excellent. You are so right, yeah. Um, I, I wrote this down multiple times. Uh, the girl that plays Katie in this is creepy when she needs to be, 
like it, like kind of like a regular child when she needs to be, and everything in between. I think she's awesome. I think parallels between this and some of the Exorcist are valid, and I think yeah, she... I also got I also got kind of slight Omen vibes off some of it. Oh no, there's definite yeah, there's definite Omen vibes. They're lifting stuff from all over the place here, Mitch. They're lifting stuff from the Omen. They're lifting stuff from the Exorcist. They're lifting stuff from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's all in here. It's an absolute grab bag. I was a geek, precisely the expression I was about to use. <laughs> Uh, so, um, a very, very abrupt cut at this point um, from unspecified place in space to Atlanta, and specifically yeah. to a basketball game. If in your head you were going, what I really want to do is watch almost a whole game of basketball, <laughs> then I could tell you, my friend, you won't be disappointed because this scene is long, and we yeah, see a like, lot of the action. Yeah, we do. We see um, Atlanta pulling off a, um, a spectacular last-minute turnaround against uh, San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, my question, and I, I used to, I did, I did have a kind of fledgling interest in the NBA for a while, but I haven't watched basketball in quite some time. My question is: Do basketball commentators say things like "We're in the closing moments of the basketball game"? <laughs> I don't know if they do, no. But uh, there's some similar stuff later on. Uh, they bat the announcer looks exactly like serial killer Edmund Kemper. Okay, I'll have to trust you in that. But okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's just an absolute like montage of balls flying and baskets, swish, swish, nothing but net. It's heating up. Uh, we get a cool little ball cam at one point, uh, uh, yeah, and, and by that, that I mean basketball cam, <laughs> as opposed to just a one, one camera pendulously flopping around inside someone's shorts, <laughs> yeah, just swinging left and right like. <laughs> So, pretty pivotal character introduction here, Raymond Armstead, played here by Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, yeah, he's the owner of uh, the Atlanta team. The Atlanta Miners, I believe. That's Miners with an E. Right, okay. Okay, well, I mean, it could be Miners with an O because there are a lot of people in this film who are variously referred to as child molesters. Yeah, that accusation gets lobbed around very liberally in this film. <laughs> Absolute willy-nilly. <laughs> <laughs> for for want of a better expression, continue. Yeah, but also not just Lance Henriksen, because we also meet Barbara Collins and we meet Katie Collins herself. Yes, uh-huh. We learn pretty quickly here because a reporter is badgering uh, Raymond during the game. Uh, <laughs> he, is the, he is the owner of the Atlanta Miners and um, he is basically saying that their time for worry is over. He and his large checkbook is gonna, are going to guide them to a brighter day. Yeah, but he has been quizzed pretty hard by that journalist. Like, I mean, now is not the time. This is mid-game, and this is the game announcer. This is like the, the announcer guy that I was talking about a minute ago. Get back to your desk, focus on the match, and speak to this guy in the press conference after. Yeah, so this is the, the first thing that kind of, uh, the first of many things that kind of blew my mind in this. By the way, I want to just get this out of the way now. Like, I know that usually one of my functions, arguably my primary function in this podcast, is uh, to keep things linear. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I cannot say with any confidence that I'm going to be able to do that quite so proficiently today. There will be times where I may have to just give up and let you drive. That's absolutely fine, Mitch. All you need to know at this specific moment is we are privy to a lot of basketball. Yes, there's a lot of basketball going on. And then uh, one exploding basketball. And what is a ludicrously high-scoring game of basketball? I'm not sure that basketball games often go into the triple digits. Um, I think that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not unheard of, but um, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's that common. But yeah, one of the... Is it, no, is it the ball itself or is it the, the net and backboard that explode here? Uh, my read was... Because you're right, this is this is kind of... Uh, it's, it's put across here in a fairly fragmented kind of way. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought it was the ball. I thought it was the backboard and net. Excellent. I'm glad we have no consensus on that point. Because it does go off mid-dunk. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, maybe. But this seems to happen by magic. <laughs> also the audience are completely nonplussed by this they're cheering as if this has how every basketball game ends yeah uh-huh every yeah every, everyone is like everyone can i greet this with complete impassivity like, um <laughs> in fact what after this happens uh it cuts immediately to uh raymond and barbara in bed oh yeah uh, yeah yeah we're post-coitus here and uh lance henriksen is saying that he uh, well, I mean, he's questioning Barbara as to why she hasn't exploded during sex. Um, uh, yeah, which is either which either suggests that his powers are a little bit stranger than we realised, or his uh, the sex education in his school wasn't up to much. Pretty insecure question to ask. That's like asking, "Is it good for you?" Uh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, how was that for you? Yeah, it'd be like, well, you might want to try harder if you want me to explode. 
But yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a it's a strange was quite old vibe. Yeah, yeah, Barbara here played by Joanne Nail. Not sure if she's any relation to Geordie singer Jimmy Nail. <laughs> Can only speculate on that point also. <laughs> um so yeah, Lance Henriksen looking for like I'm not I'm gonna call him Raymond. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not, yes. I'm not gonna call him Lance Henriksen. I'm gonna do my best anyway. So he is trying to ask some kind of big questions here, um, about marriage, kids, stuff like that. He's got more than one eye on the future. He's got both eyes on the future. Mm-hmm. Barbara less so. Yeah, yeah, she has made it quite clear. She doesn't want to marry Ray. Um she's ruled by fear and she doesn't want any more children. And to be fair, we now meet her first daughter, Katie, and I wouldn't want any more kids if that was my first one either. No, she is completely and utterly creepy. Yes, she's terrifying. Now, Mitch, one thing I do want to say here, and uh, this isn't the first time this happens throughout the film, it won't be the last time it happens throughout the film, but um, how did you get on with the feathery jump scares? (laughs) Um, I think that one of them got me. (laughs) <laughs> um, I think it might have been this one actually so yeah it would make sense for it to be the first one but then uh, they do become a bit dime a dozen in this one yeah yeah there's a lot there's a lot of birds pouncing out of things and attacking yeah, people it gets to that point where you're kind of like fun of my knee getting jump scared by a bird in this film <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> um, uh, but yeah this does happen here and then uh, Katie basically says she kind of uh, makes some comments about potentially killing her babysitter yeah, and she wants an, a sibling. She's very keen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she's, she's banging that drum right from the off. Right <laughs> out of the gate. Uh, while this is going on, Jersey with um, an unidentified bald accomplice. A lot of bald guys in tracksuits in this film. Yeah, not going to lie. They get pretty interchangeable. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they arrive uh, in America by plane. While sure. uh, this is this is intercut with Barbara buying a present for Katie. What is it that she buys her? It's the creepiest talking decorative bird. Yes. Okay. So my favorite my favorite stupid line at this point is uh, her friend who is with her who says that the bird gives her the scary creeps. Well, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's kind of exactly what I was trying to say. <laughs> Did you notice when Jersey arrives at the airport, he says, "I'm a visitor." Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's like like he may as well have said that directly into the camera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I I love the badly dubbed Asian guy that sells the bud. Yeah, so it's, it's so weird. So because like your brain never goes to dubbed first when everybody else isn't. Yeah, yeah, and he he turns up again later. He has to explain to the police the the, the sale of this bud and the aftermath of Barbara getting shot later. Which I was thinking, <laughs> why is this poor bastard getting dragged into the police station about this? Yeah, it does seem excessive. I am going to say now, right, you know how I just asked you what the present was that she got her and you said it was the bird? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't reset the clock on all of my confusion, but it does answer some of my questions. <laughs> okay, uh, good. I am, however, as they arise, going to point them out from the perspective of someone who didn't realise it was a bird that was in the box. Sure. But there is another present later on, don't forget, which is which bizarrely is a handgun. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a time. Um, <laughs> Uh, so Raymond meets with uh, Dr. Walker at this point, amongst other people. Yeah, Mel Ferrer. As it turns out, Raymond is in league with a group of elitist Satanists? Elite Satanists? <laughs> uh, sure. Sure, why not? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It kind of looks like a table full of Republicans. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I imagine that Donald Trump has been privy to several of these meetings where he's brought in and it's just a bunch of faceless power men. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, it's, I, it, it gives you that kind of vibe. But we know, we know a little bit more about this at this point. As it turns out, uh, Barbara's been assigned to Raymond. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, on account of the fact that um, uh, she has uh, she has Zatine genes. <laughs> sure, uh, and this meeting takes place in a room with far too many chandeliers. Oh yeah, there's more chandeliers than people. Yeah, more chandeliers than shadowy Republicans. Exactly. <laughs> Never a good ratio. No, but yeah, she's got power in her. And uh, yeah, basically what these uh, the, the, the shadowy cabal are trying to do is strong arm Raymond into pumping a baby into her. Preferably yeah. a boy. I mean, that that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a wonder he can perform. Well, yeah, he's, he's clearly got some performance anxiety to the extent that he is asking the question, like he's asking these questions about why she won't explode with passion after sex. So he's got enough on his plate, really, without having the future generation of kind of the infinite evil overlord resting on his shoulders as well. Honestly, I I, I don't know if I could perform. I, I, I'd probably have a flop on. Guy just needs to throw on some Al Green and make a night of it. 
<laughs> He'd be trying all sorts. He'd love the ginseng out. <laughs> uh, right, we are off to Katie's birthday party at this point, her eighth birthday. Um, uh, which, uh, which Jersey shows up, which is weird. It is weird, but but does he show up? He's just kind of moving around the periphery. Yeah, I think he's. I think this is like him kind of surveying from a distance, isn't it? While being in the room. Well, so I guess he's just <laughs> surveying. <laughs> I don't understand it's, that at all. It's a weird thing. Yeah, no one like like obviously kind of like uh, Katie has a little bit of a kind of like hang on a minute, what are you doing here? Kind of moment. Nobody else seems to flinch. But um, no time to think about that because in amongst her presents, which I think the way her presents are brought out is really cool when everyone's kind of like deliriously cheering and they're like carted out in a wheelbarrow. I think it's really creepy for some reason, and I can't <laughs> put my finger on what it is about that that I think is so strange. Doesn't Katie have those weird metallic eyes at this point? Uh, yes, I believe she does. I think yeah. that's right. I mean, that's pretty creepy. I tell you what else is creepy. Somebody giving a gun to a kid for their eighth birthday. That is America. This is very true. But uh, yeah, there is a gun in there. Uh, she's very excited. In her excitement, she starts to get her mum's attention. Uh, the gun flies out of her hand, hits the table and goes off and uh, shoots her mum in the back. Yeah, straight in the spine, paralysing her. Uh, she spends the rest of the movie in a wheelchair, except for the one scene where she quite competently drives a car. Aye, yes, uh-huh, okay, right, yeah, we'll get to that, but fucking hell, yes. Um, they operate on Barbara in the next scene. Uh, she's, like, rushed to hospital and this happens. At this point, I feel like the score to this film is beating me up. <laughs> I quite like the score. I quite like it too, but it just I just think it's funny that, like, every single moment is just, like, absolutely stuffed with drama. Oh, yeah, yeah, even things that don't deserve them, things that... There's times that the music does not match what's on the screen, like, at all. Oh, not even remotely. And I like the fact that um, when Jersey shows up sometimes, he has like what sounds like the kind of like the theme to a 70s cop show. But we learn here that Barbara is permanently paralysed. Yes, which does add an extra layer of difficulty to conceiving a devil child, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's put into one of those weird spinning traction beds, which I, I don't know what they're really for, apart from uh, looking funny. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we, you know, we, we have some medical expert listeners out there, and I would actually be curious to know that. Yeah, how do those work? What What is it that they're doing? <laughs> and now, there's an incident with a bird here, isn't there? Pretty soon, yeah. We do get to see that they've had a pretty cool stair lift installed in the house, and it's a really fast one. Like, my gran had one. Uh, uh-huh. And it was painfully slow. I, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. in, my, in my childhood, I would have loved one that moves as fast as this does. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it it's a nippy piece of kit, isn't it? Um, at this point, we get this kind of weird exposure to um, a parakeet. I, I think it's understand. a falcon. <laughs> it's definitely a bird of prey of some sort. <laughs> I have not done my homework on birds. No, you are. that's a terrible job you've done there. <laughs> After that, we cut to what appears to be a meerkat. What about at the end when she's attacked by a flock of puffins? Anyway, um, I wrote this down, and again, because I didn't notice the bird symbolism at the start, so I have I have written down, I don't understand the significance of the bird. Is it a suspect? <laughs> it is a suspect, and it has evil on its mind. <laughs> it certainly does. Um, however, no time to think about that, because time to meet June Phillips, housekeeper. Thanks, he's great. Uh, yes, I think that uh, I think that I think that she is uh, really good fun. I think that uh, also hilariously expositional at times, but in a way that I actually find quite charming. Yeah, and we also run about this time get to meet uh, Detective Durham. We do indeed. Yeah, he senses that something's wrong with this devil child, given that her mother was recently hospitalised with a gunshot wound to the spine. Yeah, and the little girl was gifted a gun, so it kind of. I mean, like, yeah, he's not pulling motors in thin air here, is he? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, but Glenn Ford here, again, another absolutely amazing actor. He was in Superman, Gilda, the original 310 to Yuma. And everyone in this has got massive, massive CVs. Oh, yeah, like I like serious credentials. But he, uh, <laughs> he confronts Katie at one point, just when she's on her way to school, and she tells him, or no uncertain terms, in fact, literally, she tells him to go fuck himself calls him a child molester and demands he rams his questions up his asshole. Uh, yep, all those things happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so he's investigating the shooting, like you say, that that interrogation at the school bus, I say interrogation, like it's more hard interrogating him, is very funny. Um, he goes and does some snooping yes, at this point, yeah. <laughs> and then is run off the road by birds. <laughs> 
the scene with the bot, like when he's kind of attacked by Squeaky the Falcon in his car, is very funny indeed. Like he finds that electronic bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually quite creepy and quite annoying that it keeps doing that. I'm a pretty bird. Yeah. Tweet, tweet. I was like, oh god, smash that thing into oblivion. Uh, yeah, my problem with that was that I found that I like the first time that happened, I was like, ah, creepy, and then it got incrementally re- less creepy every time I heard it. <laughs> but he locks it in the glove box, the sensible move, and then he, he's attacked in the car by Squeaky the Falcon. He drives faster, he does not attempt to brake, he crashes into a guy on a bike, presumably a stuntman, and the stuntman hits the window in such a way that I'm not only convinced the character died, I'm fairly sure the stuntman must have died because it looks like his neck bent entirely the wrong way. It's really not pretty. No, no, no. And then he gets his eye chomped out and the car yep. flips down a like an embankment and interrupts an American football, like a school football game or something. Yeah, it's a hell of a death. There's a lot to unpack. And then it explodes, of course. Yeah, I can I kind of feel like that I kind of feel like that car crash happens in three different locations. That's excellent. It is pretty great, but my favorite thing that happens after that is that when the police are surveying the scene and they find the body and stuff like that, it just cuts to Squeaky the Falcon looking menacing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the like the big crow in uh, the Omen 2. Or like um, I always thought like the 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 dog with the shifty eyes in the episode of the Simpsons. <laughs> Um, so at this point, we cut back to Barbara at home with Jane, and uh, I would say that this is potentially Jane's second day on the job. <laughs> I think it's fair to say she's overstepping the mark. Yeah, exactly. She's not backwards and coming forwards when Barbara asks her what she thinks of Katie, when uh, she basically says that she thinks that she is evil, and then uh, spouts off quite a lot of spiritual and astrological guff with absolutely zero provocation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would be fired. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that if, if somebody was like, um, if somebody was like to a housekeeper, what do you think of my kid? You'd be like, oh, they're a belligerent little shit and also they're evil. Then you wouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to hear you out about the evil part. Also, when she's like, uh, you've got to watch out for Saturn and all that. Like if someone came, even came into my house and started spouting like evangelical Christian stuff, I'd say, look, this isn't going to work out. Yeah, I think that that's fair enough. I wouldn't want necessarily to be around that either. <laughs> in the home. While we're having this conversation about uh, Katie being a potential devil child, we do get a little bit of evidence to support that as she causes what I would call B-tier chaos at an ice rink. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Uh, John uh, John Houston's character, Jersey, he continues to stalk a wee girl as she ice skates. Uh, <laughs> and she... <laughs> weirdly, for I don't know why these boys choose to terrorise Katie. Uh, no, me neither. It's not made clear. Um, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it seems motiveless. Absolutely, but she uh, is not one to be pushed around, and she causes like a fair amount of carnage. Uh, she causes the boys to go careering into barriers. She grabs two boys and spins them at such a velocity that she's able to launch them through the air, and one of the boys crashes through the windows of a restaurant. Uh, yeah. You know, I kind of feel like I was underselling it when I called it B-tier chaos, to be honest. It's, yes, but, I mean, but she seems to walk away from this with zero repercussions. This is a girl who days before shot someone. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Yeah, I know, again, nobody bats an eyelid. No, absolutely not. I do think it's funny. There's amazing how many of the films that we talk about on um, this podcast that seem to be set in alternate realities where people are completely unfazed by supernatural or otherworldly phenomena all the time. <laughs> but uh, Katie just goes home and uh, Jersey follows her and he turns up. I mean, by the way, worth mentioning, he's Angelica Houston's dad and he was in Chinatown and like things like the African Queen. Oh, yeah. Like, mad, uh, like- mad cast. A mad, mad cast. Yep, everywhere you look, everywhere you look um, in this film, there's a name. So he masquerades as a babysitter to be able to spend some time with Katie, which is um, a mad idea that uh, Raymond uh, goes for absolutely instantly. He takes zero persuading whatsoever that that's the truth. (laughs) Yeah, it just works out to absolutely his benefit. Uh, But he does speculate that uh, Jersey might be a child molester again, but... Still has no qualms about leaving Katie in his care. No, well, apparently not. No, no, no. <laughs> we do cut, actually. We do cut back from. It's actually quite an interesting, like a funny wee edit because we do cut back from him speculating about Jersey being a child molester 
to Jersey saying to Katie, close your eyes. Uh, yeah. I actually, I actually did write this down uh, because he, because he was talking about. Obviously, we come to realize what he'll eventually mean by this. But um, and we know, but he's sitting there saying to Katie, "Is like, oh, I'm going to take you away with me and stuff like that." And it's like this all sounds quite kidnappy. So he's not doing very much to dispel this whole child molester chat. Oh no, 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 not at all. Um, some pretty heavy gaslighting from Ray here as he aggressively pushes a wheelchair around. Uh, yes, uh huh. Um, his he does promise Barbara that he's got a big surprise in store for her um, when they go to this dinner. Um, and what he does is announces his intentions to marry her uh, in front of a room full of people. Which, uh, given the tetchy wedding conversation that we had earlier on, is um, a risky move at best. But also, do people do that? Is that a thing that people do? <laughs> like, because um, obviously, I understand people announcing their engagement or proposing. Yes, of course. In front of uh, in front of their friends, loved ones, or whatever. But um, just being like, someday I'll marry this woman and you haven't consulted her or you've had, you know, or like there's no consensus on the matter. Like that seems <laughs> insane to me. But again, everyone just treats it like it's a perfectly normal thing to do. So is it? Is this something that I haven't heard of? Possibly. It's certainly not something I did. But then I inadvertently uh, proposed to my wife via Facebook. <laughs> I actually, I can't believe I don't know this story. Uh I don't mind having a small sideline here if you would like to tell us how exactly that happened. Uh, I had gone to pick up the ring. I had sat down, taken a photo of the ring via Facebook Messenger to send it to my mate who was ultimately be my best man, and I accidentally sent it to her. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm a prick. I'm a prick who accidentally proposes to people via Facebook Messenger. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the hilarious and weird moment when Katie suggests that Ray comes over to fuck her mother and put a baby in her. Uh, yes, uh-huh. Again, I think that if I was Barbara, I would be wondering if there was something shady going on with uh, Katie's motives here because she's incredibly on the nose about being like... Uh, is it somebody phones Raymond? Does she phone Raymond? I don't know. If, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think that she certainly... She, 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 eggs, she eggs them on to bang like quite a bit. I think yeah, first that's in weird, person, isn't it? and yeah, oh, massively. Can you imagine saying that to your mum? No, <laughs> no, Andy, no, I can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that this happens first in person, and then she phones him. I, Katie phones him, and is like, "Oh no, I, uh, Barbara's on the phone," and then Katie's like, "I'll oh, put me on the phone to Raymond," and then oh, yeah. she does. Yeah. Like, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if you could come over and we could all be together and stuff?" Uh, yeah, it's all very, very strange. But like I say, I think that given the whole um, body pile up at the ice rink and the shooting her in the spine thing. If I was Barbara, I would be kind of looking at this as a pattern of erratic behaviour. Sure. Um, moments after this, though, um, because he's failing at just about every turn, Ray's back at the shadowy cabal meeting getting his ass chewed because he can't fuck the woman in the wheelchair. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's... it's. it's I, I think he's getting quite a hard time here. Oh, do you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like I don't know. Maybe I think, he is I think, trying. I I, I say, yeah, they're 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 talking about um uh, they're talking about uh, having sex with a particular one assigned woman so she can incubate the human incantation of a generations old um demigod. It's not just like oh go over there you know get the job done close the deal. Is it not that simple? I wouldn't have. Said, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I don't. Like, I was gonna say. I don't think so. Like it was from experience. But no, I wouldn't imagine so. Well, there is an extreme measure taken shortly. Well, why didn't they just do that in the first instance? Uh, yeah, it does seem like that would be the easier thing if that's been an option the entire time. But yeah, of course, so she's basically kidnapped at this point. Barbara is. After uh, but, dra This is the scene where she drives. Yes. Now, this I'm so glad that you've pointed this out as being just a weird thing that happened. Because genuinely, you know how when there's a plot hole or an inconsistency in a film that we do, which obviously, given the kinds of films that we talk about, is quite often. Uh-huh. You know? You know how I instinctively don't think that's a plot hole and I instinctively am just like, I have missed something obvious, for I am an idiot. Sure. I did that here. When I saw her driving the car, I was like, this is so egregious that it must be me slipping up. Now, I'm pretty sure nowadays paraplegics can drive a car. I'm sure there's devices and harnesses and things that facilitate people in various stages of paralysis to be more mobile. Yes. I'm not convinced they had it in the late 70s. Uh, no. 
No, I wouldn't have said so. Certainly not to the extent that someone who's paralyzed from the waist down can drive a car in a way that is completely indistinguishable from an able-bodied human. <laughs> Do you know, it wouldn't have surprised me in the slightest if we'd cut to this scene and Katie was driving the car given that her birthday present was a loaded gun. <laughs> yeah. Fair one. Um, but yeah, this is, obviously, this is kind of like, it largely unfolds off camera, thankfully, but what actually happens here is pretty unpleasant. Well, yeah, I mean, they're beset by what appear to be spacemen <laughs> yep. uh, who kind of approach the car bathed in light, and they take Barbara in a scene that I can only say much must have inspired the now famous Floodlights Over Salem. She yes. is inseminated. She is inseminated, yes. Uh, by aliens. Yeah. Uh, this was the first of a couple of points where I just wrote what on earth in my notes. <laughs> um, yeah, from here I'd imagine you wrote that note quite frequently. Yeah, it's it, it, it all gets um, uh, I've, like, I've, I've only got about a page of notes left, but I know that there is a lot of stuff that happens. I'm, this is going to turn more into a Q&A at this point. Sure, um, okay. So yeah, Babs comes home, uh, presumably now pregnant with uh, baby Zatine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jersey appears in her house. Uh, Barbara doesn't seem particularly troubled by that, but does shriek in horror when he says that she's pregnant. Um, I mean, she she wasn't expecting that. Uh, no, I wouldn't have said so. Uh, meanwhile, uh, June looks on, and in light of this news, Barbara goes to see ex-husband and current doctor, Sam. <laughs> yeah, there's a moment uh, before she decides that this is the course of action she's going to take. Uh, I, I shouldn't laugh, but, there's, but she's wheeling about the house. Yes. Uh, just in circles. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh-huh. And it's very funny. So this is another thing. That was another one that I was like, is there a reason for this? Have I missed something? <laughs> no, there's no, re- there's no reason for anything. And I must admit, like, I'm, I'm finding this conversation quite vindicating so far because I came into this fairly certain that I was about to be made an extreme fool of for the duration of it, for having missed loads of things. So the fact that it's not that and what's happened is that we've just watched a largely nonsensical film does make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> well good but yeah she wheels herself to the hospital to go and see her ex-husband played by a terribly dubbed Sam Peckinpah and mm-hmm. um, she also seems to immediately skip the queue oh yeah 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a very yeah, yeah. Bu- in a very busy hospital oh yeah I like absolute speedy boarding here <laughs> Um, so yeah, she basically explains the situation to Sam. She wants an abortion. He's going to do it. Yeah, I, I think it's weird to go and see your ex for an abortion. Uh, yeah, don't want to dig into that too much. But at the same, like when he was when they were sitting having that conversation, I was like, nobody going to point out that this is really strange. I mean, if it, I, I, even if my ex was a well-regarded urologist, I don't think I would go and see my ex for a vasectomy. Uh, no, no, that's fair. I would like. I mean, those two things aren't the same. But yes, no, but you know what I mean. It's the same area it's the same region yeah i don't know geographically the same and you've been there you've seen it before i don't know it's all just weird no i i mean i agree i agree i completely agree on both counts um but yeah that's what's gonna happen that does happen um at this point we head back home where uh june slaps the shit out of katie and correctly identifies her as a devil child I mean, look, I'm not condoning for a minute this assault by a grown woman on a child but katie's a dick yeah, she's an arsehole. She does like. <laughs> I was about to say she does. She does have it coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to be, oh, to be that hand. Oh. <laughs> so here's the first thing where this kind of started to lose me a little bit. Go on, carry on. So, so, so Barbara asks Sam for an abortion. That happens. Fine. Meanwhile, uh, Jersey and Katie have this extremely low impact foot chase. By the way, Barbara asked Sam Peckinpah for an abortion, but her lips don't move. Oh, right, okay. I don't know if you clocked that. She uh, delivers quite a lot of dialogue without moving her mouth. Part-time devil spawn incubator, part-time ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I Jersey and Katie have a kind of foot chase through like a warehouse. Jersey has this building that he seems to have built a landing strip on the top of. Yeah, because he hangs out there quite a bit during the film. Yeah, and he's got those kind of grey-suited baldy guys that carry the silver kind of flight cases. Yeah, he's kind of got this army of bald guys in what looks like kind of weird spacesuits. Yeah, but they don't um, really have any influence or impact on the story at all. No, they don't. They don't. No, they don't. Unless unless they shapeshift into the birds that he summons in a bit. Oh, maybe, maybe. But Chelsea seems scared to Katie because he runs away from her. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Not a good look. No, but um, so what's your question here? It was just um, how this foot chase actually came to pass. Like, how did we get there? Did Katie go there to try and kill him? I think she goes to confront him, for sure. Because she knows that 
it was Jersey that told Barbara that she had to get rid of the baby. Right, okay, okay, got you. He gave her the you're carrying the spawn of Satan type chat that no one wants to hear, quite frankly. Um, And she was like, right, fuck. Every uh, mother's worst nightmare. So how do they end up in the Hall of Mirrors? That's a question I don't really have the answer to. Uh, the only answer I can give you is why the hell not? Sure. This, th- I think this comes after Katie tries to drop a set of stairs on him, but it instead crushes a hot dog stand. That's right. That's quite a good. That's quite a good wee bit. Mm-hmm. I suppose. Like, it's like the actual chase itself is okay. I just I had a very hard time parsing how it had happened and where we were. And <laughs> she shouts bastard a lot. <laughs> <laughs> See, we talked about this before actually when we did Sleepaway Camp live with John McPhail. And yes. uh, we talked about how great it must be to be a young actor and to be given one of these parts where all you have to do is swear. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the dream when you're that age, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, she certainly gets to do that here. Uh, yeah, very much so. Now, does this scene end with her smashing all the mirrors in the Hall of Mirrors? It does, yes. But not catching him. Jersey's somehow giving her the slip, I don't know. Right, okay, so off to the next scene where Barbara is attacked. Yeah, she, I mean... Barbara does not look... I I really need some help here. Right, Barbara does not look well. Right, She's had a rough day and it's about to get worse because she is attacked by Squeaky the Falcon. I'm still sticking with that. And she sequesters herself in another room. She wheels off and the bird tries to get in using the door handle. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then there's a a nice little bit of misdirection when the door opens and it's Mrs. Phillips holding up the dead body of Squeaky the Falcon. Yeah, that is that is pretty good. So what's your question here? But at this point, Katie appears behind her, right? <laughs> yeah, Katie's come home and she grabs her mum's wheelchair. This, I love this bit. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, she grabs the mum's wheelchair and drives it screaming like at a million miles an hour into that enormous fish tank. Yeah. Yeah, but then the next time you see Barbara, she's only got like the tiniest little plaster on her chin. Also, I think that the thing that confused me here, and remember, like, you know how... When I was watching the end of this, I texted you and asked you if I was watching it in the right order. <laughs> yeah, she did send me that text. So this is why that happened, because that entire scene happened, which was extremely frenetic and ended with Barbara's wheelchair getting rammed into a fish tank. Right. Well, let me just say one thing here, and I think it's important to, to mention the fact that I think there was a lot of re-edits and interference in this film. Uh-huh. No, I mean, and that's fine. Right, but um, I, yeah, I understand, I understand those things, and that's okay. But it does immediately cut after this to this kind of extremely mellow conversation between June and Jersey, and a very long sequence of Jersey standing on a rooftop assembling lights in the sky. That is very long. It's, it's, it's extremely long. So, yeah, I think, that, I think that the reason that I felt kind of disorientated by it was partially because I didn't think that June would be able to go from one location to the other so quickly, and to the tone shift was so dramatic. Okay, I don't have any answers for you, Mitch. I'm sorry. I'd, I'd love to, but I don't because the two scenes that you're mentioning are actually interspersed with another scene where we learn that Katie's been taken into care and that she needs extensive yes. therapy. Yeah, see, like, see, like, <laughs> the, I kind of, I kind of feel like this film tells quarter of an hour's worth of story in an hour and 20 minutes and then an hour's worth of story in 20 minutes (laughs) yeah yeah it definitely does Uh, but what I will say is Katie being taken into care probably not the worst idea in the world but what I would say is uh, two or three really really bad incidents too late um, yes, yeah, I think I, I think that we're closing the stable door after the horse's bullet at this point. <laughs> yeah. However, favourite character introduction of the whole thing at this point, Devil Katie. Oh yeah. <laughs> is this when she attacks her mum? Yes, absolutely preposterous. Um, Barbara is attacked once again. She's having a day. I tell you what though, I mean, this is a pretty brutal scene because she beats the living shit out of her mum and then drags her by the legs up the stairs, which looks pretty painful, and then kicks her back down. I guess it's probably quite lucky that she's paralysed. Uh, yeah, I mean, and if she wasn't before, she definitely is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the combined efforts of uh, Raymond and Katie, they're trying to uh, kill Barbara here. Quite a good set piece, uh, tying this kind of rope or whatever it is, kind of cabling around her neck and then putting her downstairs in the chairlift. Yeah, they're kind of garroting her with it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, I think. I like it's. Uh, I think it's good. I quite like the way that this plays out. I think it's quite nicely directed. Yeah, I actually think there's a lot of really nice little set pieces throughout the film. Like, as preposterous as they all are, like, I think the... the like this, all this stuff. Uh, I think the stuff with the cop getting attacked by the bird in the car. I think all that stuff's pretty strong. Uh, it's just so disjointed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I say, I, I felt like um, I felt like I was skipping forward chapters in a DVD. 
<laughs> right, okay. Um, as we kind of near the end of this. So inevitably, uh, the day is saved by a horde of birds, because of course it is. Sure, yeah. Some of them appear real, some of them don't appear real. Uh, Lance Henriksen, for example, he's offed by one that shoots a bolt into his neck or something. Yeah, can I just say about the birds, uh, part real, part fake, all hilarious. Yeah, yeah. There's a moment where Katie's absolutely covered in birds, and I, I, I've got to be honest with you, man. That scares the fucking bejesus out of me. Like, oh yeah, it just I, I can't imagine being covered in that many birds. The flapping, the noise. Man, you've really given that some thought, haven't you? That's just gross. And the feces. <laughs> and the feces, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the day is inevitably saved by a horde of birds uh, conjured by Jersey. Um, that was what he was doing for all that time. Yeah, like you said, I mean, they're, they're pigeons, they're grey, they may very well be the grey-suited bald men from earlier. Yeah, I mean, quite possibly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with that, purely just because I'm digging for a reason for them to exist. Do you know what I think is quite cool, though? There's a moment where um, Katie's hair all starts standing up on end, like, you know, when you're at school and you use the Van de Graaff generator? Aha, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. I mean, and she's all like, getting blasted with lights and it's all very bombastic and the lights are, like, seizure-inducing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that looks pretty cool as well. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, like I've got, I've got, I've got like no problem really at all with how any of this plays out. <laughs> However, we do head back to Space Kroger. Yeah, I, I think at this um, point, Space Jesus. The birds have somehow managed to subdue Katie to the point that Jersey can scoop her up and take her back to this weird space school. Yeah, stopping only to shave her head on the way home. <laughs> yeah, she's bald as a coot. Bald as a coot, which is apparently is symbolic for being uh, cleansed of all your evils. That's my read, anyway. And with that, uh, we are told that the children can come to no harm, and we're out. And that's the end of the visitor. See, it worked out much better than you thought it would. It was much more linear a chat than I believe you expected it to be. Just as well, I've got a handle on the film. Uh, yeah, someone had to. I'm not convinced you can ever truly have a handle on the visitor. That but I did might my be best. true. That might be true. And I think that, yeah, I think that also I'm somewhat vindicated by the fact that a lot of the things that I thought were me slipping up were actually just, uh, like you say, some kind of like strange editing choices and uh, some kind of things that like, I mean, dare I say it, logic flaws. Sure, Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But um, what I would say is, uh, so I watched this like literally minutes before uh, we recorded this tonight. And actually we watched it separately for a change, which I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, th- I think that like it's it's sometimes better that my reactions aren't forming when you're there. But yeah, what I would say is this one goes in like an absolute shot, definitely, like because it's almost two hours long. And I remember um, it was like not long after, <laughs> not long after the basketball game, I looked at it and I was like, God, I'm watching this for forty five minutes, but I forgot that forty three of those were the basketball game. But yeah, I yeah I I like this against my better judgment. I could see myself going back to it. It's one of those films that's kind of gone through a little bit of a renaissance, I think, because I don't know if the version you watched has this at the start but certainly the version that's on the the arrow video blu-ray opens with uh draft house films logo yeah it does yeah 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 so i mean this was a film that was kind of rediscovered by draft house films in the same kind of way that miami connection was Mm-hmm. And, and you can see that you can see you, like you can see how something like this would find that kind of audience to use the term oddity i know we've used it a few times for other films on the show going way way back to buckaroo banzai i think that this film is the true definition of an oddity this is a film that i think in the writing was probably as confusing as it is on the screen but i almost guarantee you that the two have no like have no correlation i would be fascinated to see how this differs from what's on the page yeah, I would also be keen to see, like, like I touched on earlier, there was a lot of meddling involved and a lot of studio people and producers getting involved and re-editing. And I think the the message of the visitor, if there ever was one, has got slightly muddied over time. Okay. But to me, it's just, it's another one of these really weird Italian movies that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you take your favourite Giallo film. They don't make uh-huh. a fucking lick of sense. The, the, the visitor's no different. No, I think that that's, that's, that's definitely true. And the thing is, well, I mean, like, and even if you are watching it and kind of trying to evaluate it from a narrative perspective, the fact that it doesn't make sense doesn't really hinder it. No, I actually think it just adds to the charm. Like, yeah, like, like, I, don't, I, don't think that, I don't think that me constantly second-guessing myself and not really having a handle on what was happening in the moment actually impacted my enjoyment. <laughs> it keeps you on your toes. Sure, let's go with that. But yeah, I just think it's a really charming, weird film that punches way above its weight. In a couple of ways, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, look at it, like I've touched on it loads, but look at the cast. I mean, you you come out swinging with a cast like that and a film like this, you're you're already doing a fair amount of the heavy lifting. Aye, and you're also already doing something that is pretty anomalous. But no, um, a, a, a fine choice, a fine pick, I would say, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy to give you the point for it. I liked it. I'm very glad. I actually thought you were going to come out and say you hated it. No, I just I was just I was just profoundly confused by it. Tell you what, I could have done with more of. Go, Franco Nero, Space Jesus. Yeah, actually, um, because he is introduced with such fanfare that I was kind of like, oh, this guy must be the main character. And then you don't see him again for, I think, an hour and 35 minutes. Yeah, gotta be, gotta be. But yeah, when he's on screen, he's got these really penetrating, piercing blue eyes and, like I say, the Chad Kroger hair and beard situation going on, like circa How You Remind Me video. Mm -hmm, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could have done with more more space Franco Nero. Yeah, I think that that would not have gone amiss because I, I quite enjoyed uh, I quite enjoyed her, the gravitas of that performance. Another thing I will say though is it's never really touched on what anyone's powers are. <laughs> no, like Jersey no, seems that... to be able to just kind of flit around uh, as he pleases, and Katie's power seems to extend to unscrewing stairs, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Yeah, that seems to be that seems to be it. But everyone's power seems to be very elastic. But aside from that, I've got no criticisms whatsoever. But I suppose that's about all there is to say. On the no, visitor. it's not. It's not even a fraction of all that there is to say about the visitor. I suppose there is loads more to say. I think that it would be good though if other people started saying it. So if you want to get in touch with us and talk a little bit about the visitor or, or anything else podcast related, there are of course loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram, we're Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can also email. Strong language violent scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and as you know, we have a website, strongviolentpod.com, where you can find links to all the various providers where you can listen to us. You can find live dates as and when they're announced, and hopefully we'll have something on that very, very, very soon. Yeah, I mean, we say that all the time, but it really does feel like it's getting kind of close now. Yeah, and also, I mean, you can find links to our tea Public page, and I know I had promised some T-shirt designs, but I showed them to you, and we were concerned that they might be potentially litigious. Uh, yeah, we did wonder if we might get a cease and desist. So um, <laughs> uh, if you're curious about what that design is, then drop us a line and we'll maybe show you. Also, I could put them online and if everyone was to just buy them now, when they finally get taken down, inevitably get taken down, then we've already sold them. Joke's on you, we've already sold 35,000 of these. <laughs> yeah. and we get our £2 cut. <laughs> I think there's a tea public sale starting this week. Yeah, there is, by the way, guys. Yep, uh, we had the email. T public sales are beginning again, so expect one until the end of the year. <laughs> it's the Easter's Givingsmas sale. <laughs> it's fucking preposterous. We will be back on Monday with another mini so Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. <laughs>